Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. All right, uh, Farrell on the bench. So if you're in the uh, Farrell chat, uh, what up? I hope you uh, dig the fact that I have. Mavi, have you seen that I go in there? Did you see that I'm a participant in the club Varela? Yeah, I've seen you talking to the fans, getting involved, mixing it up, dropping some comments here, there. All right. So anyway, I told you the story of um, what's going on here. Uh, things are not good at the Farella Palatial. Got a lot of situations going on right now. Uh, do I have time here? Or is this the one where I got to be really quick? Uh, you got <laughs> about a minute and a half. Uh, that's I don't have enough time to do anything. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, and I'll tell more of the story when I come back because I got I to gotta hurry. So uh, 34C is gone. Uh, and she left with Chop and went to uh, a beach. And I like a, you know, a surf town, a uh, really cool place that's legendary. And uh, her sister lives there. And so uh, her sister uh, works for me. And uh, she has uh, with Mafia on Pharrellandevents.com forever, my uh, pick service. And it's coming back, by the way, on uh, I think the 23rd Mafia, which is the opening night of baseball. And then the 24th will be rocking. But anyway, that's not the point of this. Just so you know, like if you're a fan of that, you're a customer or whatever, you'll uh, love it. That the site's coming back. Everything's going to it's going to be bigger and better than ever, too. By the way, we've worked on it. We've tweaked it. Here's the deal. So she left town, right, to go on a uh, trip to party. And then I have been left in charge of the Pharrell Palatial, which is no problem. I mean, I got everything under control. It's not an issue. But some things have gone awry. <laughs> there has been some developments uh here at the uh you know with just uh dad and and gunner the son is here so i have a son who doesn't talk to me because he's a teenager right and uh he never he says two words to me all die hi and bye and <laughs> give me 20 bucks and soon enough he'll be stealing the cars you know that's happening wait till i tell you what's going on here Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood... We bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. 
So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. So I don't want to take a lot of time because I got a guest here uh, coming on, Eric Bacharach of the uh, Tennessean uh, down in Smashville. Can we bring him on right now? He's been on the show before. Uh, how's it going, Eric? What's up, Scott? I'm doing well. How about you? Cool, man. It's great to have you on. Uh, so can you bear with me here for one minute? I just want to finish the story I'm telling because I have early for Alzheimer's and I'll forget to tell it if I don't just spit it out now. And I think you <laughs> might enjoy it. All right. Yeah, so go for it. All right. So the deal is my wife's gone with my daughter. They went on a like a vacation or something for a week and I didn't have time to go on a vacation, nor did I want to go on a vacation with everything that's going on. And where they went is actually kind of, uh, you know, let's just say (laughs) uh, there's been some issues uh, there like everywhere else. Right. So but where I am in New York, it's uh, we're all good here uh, for the most part because people wear masks. And we took it seriously after we had the worst, uh, you know, explosion of it in the beginning of anywhere, really. And I guess the Pacific Northwest. But so she went on this vacation. She left me at home to my own devices with my son. No problem. I've done this a thousand times where I've been at home alone and they've gone on a trip or whatever. But this particular trip, she's left. And uh, the first thing that happened when she was gone was my son said to me, uh, he's in high school. And he said to me, yo, uh, can I have a party? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, man, whatever, dude, have a party. So the guy, the guy had a party. And the next thing you know, I look outside, there's just, I don't know. It wasn't a big party. It was like 10, 10 people, 10 kids. And they were just partying and uh, whatever, drinking all of my soda, all my Gatorade for basketball, all my water. And uh, I ordered them like 20 pizzas. And I literally I literally bought them like 500 wings and they were just blowing out. But then what happened was they left like at some point at like midnight, I looked outside and they were gone. And uh, there was trash everywhere. I mean, my whole yard was covered in trash and I live in the woods. So there's like bear and deer and turkey and coyotes and, you know, uh, ghosts and things of this nature. And so uh, I'm out there like trying to clean up because I know they're going to come and attack my house. These animals they're, like they mean business. Like if you leave a, a pizza out on the back deck, forget it. In five minutes, there's like a bear on your deck and it's, it'll, it'll kill you. So I cleaned everything up. And then, uh, the next day, uh, I, I'm looking at my dog and I'm like, dude, like what's going on in your, in your ear? I looked, he was sleeping and his ear was hanging open and I looked and there was all this like funk in his ear and he was having like an ear infection. And, uh, then I looked at his paw. He had like eaten his paw. I have a 120 pound dog. He's a monster. He's like Cujo. And the dog had eaten his foot. I mean, literally I looked down and his foot was gone and I'm like, what? I go, what? I go, what have you done? And then I, I put a cone on it. Cause I always tell it, I'm like, dude, I'm going to get the cone. 
and it's over. The party's over. You're not going to be eating your feet anymore. You're not going to be sticking your tongue down your ear and giving yourself ear infections. So, you know, now I've got an ear infection, a toe infection. I got cones on the, the kid's gone. I haven't seen a kid in days. And then uh, I saw him today. I go, you want You want me to cook you dinner? He's like, no, I'm going out with friends. I go, all right. Now I'm eating cereal, Eric. I'm now eating cereal instead of like normal food. Wow. <laughs> like, you know, where you like have a dinner. You know, you'd get dinner or something. I'm like eating cereal. Moppy is making fun of me. I got kids leaving their garbage in my yard. I found my $100 basketball like a block and a half from my house on a street corner. Uh, I'm surprised I don't have bodies in my yard. I mean, I cannot be trusted, Eric, apparently to be the father of the year or the purveyor of the home when the wife is gone. I have let my guard down and failed the family miserably. Listen, it's 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 rough for all of us. It's it's a crazy time, and uh, I think I think your little experience right there kind of epitomizes it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I literally, you know what I had for dinner? I had two, I had two bowls of cereal, and I ate four Twinkies. And I know that's not good for you. <laughs> I just know it. Yeah. So, what type of cereal? Uh, well, actually, it was good cereal. It was Special K Vanilla Almond, which is kind of kick-ass. Okay. I don't know if you've yeah. ever had it, but it is kick-ass. Yeah. If you, if you eat a big bowl of it, you might eat two like I do. But uh, one of my problems <laughs> is, Eric, I'll eat, like, I can eat upwards of, like, 50 popsicles, and I can eat, like, uh, oh. pints of sorbet, haagen sorbet. I can eat it uh, more than anyone, more than Joey Chestnut. Once you start, you can't stop. Yeah, you can't stop. It's like I'm a stoner. I if I once I start with the Minute Maid lemonade and raspberry popsicles, forget it. I eat the whole box in one sitting. I eat eight of them in one sitting. Eight. Listen. And my daughter's like, "There's something wrong with me," and I'm like, "Yeah, there is something wrong with me." So yeah, I mean, I'm a bad- you're Joey Chestnut. I'm Kobayashi. I'm on the oh, same you way. Are. So you're on a seafood yeah. diet. You eat everything you see. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably something along those lines as well. If if we're going with the analogy, it's probably similar. All right. So tell me about uh, Derrick Henry, because you and I have had conversations before about this football team. I have to tell you, I think he is by far, without a doubt, uh, the best player on the team. And I think that uh, he's the only reason they went as far as they did. Well, there was other reasons, obviously. They played really well. They were coached well. I thought Tannehill played well. The defense played fantastic. But Derrick Henry carried that football team in in Portuguese. That's what that means. But I just cannot believe that they have not given this guy a deal. It is amazing to me, more so than Dak Prescott in Dallas. Yeah, listen, it's it's a situation where I agree. I you know I, I think going into this offseason, to me, Ryan Tannehill was probably the most important guy to, to lock up to ensure that he was with your team heading into this season. But I think Derrick Henry was the most irreplaceable, um, just because you know he's a guy that that like you said carried the offense. That if you take him out of the equation, um, there's just nobody nobody else on the team really across the NFL that does what he does. And that you know could could lead the offense the way he did. He's just got a very unique skill set. Uh, you know, he's a six foot three, two hundred forty seven pound running back who, you know, barrels through guys, runs guys over, and that's what he does. And 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 the Titans are, um, you know, a run first team, and, and he really encapsulates everything that they are. They're you know a physical team. They want to hit you in the mouth. Uh, and again, they're a run first team. You know, a lot of Ryan Tannehill's success 
you know, I, I think everybody that, that says Tannehill was successful because of Ryan, uh, because of Derrick Henry, I think that's, that's misleading, but certainly, you know, the threat of Derrick Henry opened things up with, with play action. We saw, you know, just how effective Ryan Tannehill was uh, when it comes to play action, you know, and, and so much of that is defense is stacking the box just to try and stop Derrick Henry. So he's absolutely a huge part of, of their equation. Um, you know, it, it kind of goes back to what you want to pay for, um, you know, a, a running back in this day and age. You, you know, the, the track record for handing out second contracts to marquee guys uh, of late has obviously not been great. Whether you look at Todd Gurley, Devontae Freeman, David Johnson, there's a bunch of examples. And, you know, I, I think, um, I honestly think that the Titans, uh, just from everything we had been hearing uh, in the weeks, months leading up to uh, tomorrow, really, uh, I, I think they were willing to, you know, overlook all of that, all of those reasons for pause. You know, I, I think that they were really optimistic about reaching an agreement with Derek Henry. I think more than anything, honestly, was is just sort of the the pandemic and uh, you know the the obscure financial landscape that's looming ahead in 2021 and beyond. And you know, I think that that more than anything uh, could have played a factor, you know, just with structuring a long-term deal. It's difficult to do that when you don't know exactly what the salary cap is going to look like. And they do have Derrick Henry on the franchise tag uh, for this upcoming season. But I agree. I, I think he's the single most important part of their team. You know, he had 303 carries in the regular season, uh, had uh, 80, I think it was 83 more in the postseason, and really put the team on his back. Um, you take him out of, of the mix and they, they just don't get to where they, they got to last year. So he's a really important part of, of what they do, uh, the most important part to me. Um, so I, I, I thought all along that they were going to get it done, but the fact that they didn't, uh, I wasn't I wasn't shocked or anything like that. Yeah, listen, here's what we're going to do. Uh, don't go anywhere. I want to talk more about this because, uh, you know, and I think everything you're saying is dead exactly right of what's happening uh, down there. But it's not good enough for me. It's just not good enough for me. They need to get this deal done. We'll talk about it uh, coming right back. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you. Because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, so uh, Eric Bacharach's with us from the Tennessee. And uh, so Mafia has to tell me everything, Eric. He, he tells me everything. He, like, runs my life. I have to keep a schedule. I got a million things to do. Uh, I got uh, meetings, conference calls, shows, TV. I have preset. Uh, meeting at 2.30 oh. where we, we do all the cameras and lighting. Then we do a, another one at 3.45. Then we go live at 4, do 4 to 6. Then he's like, don't forget 6.15, you got to do this show. Don't forget uh, Thursday at 2 o'clock. Don't forget Friday at 3.05. If I don't have Mafia and I don't schedule everything, I will butcher that as sure as I'm sitting here. And then uh, tonight I get a call that my wife's in the ER with her mother and her nose is bleeding. I'm like, I said, listen, that's awful news. That's just terrible. Four hours later, she calls me again. I'm still in the air. I go, this is horrible, horrible development. And there's nothing I can do about it. I got to go. I got pro- I got my own problems here. The dog <laughs> is eating his foot and he's got an ear infection and I'm eating cereal. Now, I, the problems get worse. Now, Mafia just told me, don't forget tomorrow at 6.15. Don't forget Friday. Don't forget Tuesday. Don't forget Thursday. Mafia, tell him, how many things do you have to tell me about for my schedule or I'll screw it up? Every single thing you ever have to do. <laughs> so, Eric, you think you got problems. Yeah. All right. So here's my point about uh, uh, Derek Henry. I think that I actually believe all those other guys you mentioned, like Johnson and Gurley and all the rest. Uh, right. Literally all of them. I don't think any of them at all hold a candle to this guy. I actually believe that this guy is in the absolute prime of his life, prime of his career, and I believe he will continue to run over people's faces for the next four years. Without a doubt, I believe that guy is special. I think he's enormous. Like, if you, because you cover him, if you stand next to him, he is literally a mammoth man who will take your girlfriend and leave with her and live in your house. And you will lose. You will be the dog. He will be walking you as the dog because he is such a badass that when you like stand next to him, you're afraid of him. This guy is not going to break down. He's actually the one running back. He, he reminds me of Earl Campbell. He's running over people. He is unstoppable, and he's going to continue to do that in his prime uh, for four years. If they don't do a deal with this guy right now, they will never live it down. I, in fact, I think Vrabel's a good coach. I think Tannehill, you got your deal. I don't even think he'll live up to that deal, to be honest with you. I think you guys are tripping on him. But I do think Henry is worth the money, and he will take you to the promised land. He is Jesus. You know, I, I saw Derrick Henry stand next to Deion Lewis countless times last season, the right. season before, just, just right. covering the team, being at practice every single day. It never didn't shock me just to see that contrast between two NFL running backs, just the, the size difference. You know, Deion Lewis is a guy that, honestly, you know, at eye level, I'm, I'm about 5'10". I, I, I could look at him and, and look him in the eye and talk to him as a normal human would. But when you look at Derrick Henry, when you're standing next to him, he, he's just a physical specimen that that's hard to put into words. And, and like you said, he's, he's a guy that just blows people over. Um, and, uh, you know, if you go to his Instagram page now, it looks like he's getting in even bigger shape right now. Um, it really looks like this, these contract talks have not deterred him at all. If you could imagine an even bigger version of, of what he is and just a couple of points to go along with what you said, uh, you know, I've, I've written a couple of stories, um, you know, kind of weighing the pros and cons. And all along, I've, I've thought that the pros 
out outweighed the cons. And a couple of factors that, um, you know, you were kind of uh, touching on there is that, number one, his injury history is, is pretty clean to this point in his NFL career. You know, he's been in the league four years. He's only missed two games due to injury. One of those was last season, week 16, when the Titans were, you know, if they had to play him, they probably would. He had a tweaked hammy, but they were playing the Saints in week 16, had almost no bearing on their playoff chances. Really, the, the game that mattered was the week 17 game. So they played it cautious, sat him out, and that was one of two games that he's missed in his entire NFL career. Another important factor, um, you know, just when looking at his, uh, his outlook going forward, uh, is uh, looking at his first two seasons in the league in which, you know, he played a lot behind DeMarco Murray when, when Murray was still with the Titans. Um, and, and so a lot of the other running backs that I mentioned, you know, those guys were bell cows, you know, from the moment they stepped into the league. Henry hasn't exactly been that. He had 300-plus carries last year, um, but that was really his first time, uh, you know, getting that, that sort of workload. Obviously, he had a lot of carries uh, at Alabama, but in terms of his NFL workload, he's, he's relatively fresh when you look at some other running backs where they are uh, at their age 26 season. So, right. you know, those are two compelling reasons to believe that going forward, um, you know, he, he's, he's definitely uh, going to stay, you know, injury-free and, and just is going to be able to stay on his feet. And then, of course, uh, you know, going back to just the fact that when it comes to conditioning, when it comes to working out, he's an absolute monster. Um, I, I just think uh, for all those reasons, looking, looking ahead, uh, I think he's, uh, you know, if, if you're going to lock up a, a running back uh, long term, I think, you know, as far as safe bets go, he's, he's probably as safe as it gets. He is, without a doubt, in my opinion, worth it based on everything uh, on the things that we've discussed. Let's just leave it at that. There is nothing else to say. If mm-hmm. they don't do this deal, I think they'll regret it for 10 years because, honestly, like, what more do you need to know than this guy is your team? He's the whole team. Like, I know it seems like he's not because you have all these other factors going on, quarterbacks, trenches, linemen uh, on both sides of the ball, corners, secondary, all the rest, you know, everything, coaches, all, there's a million things going on in an organization, but I know they're not that stupid because I'll tell you another thing about that franchise. Uh, I, I actually, I've seen their uh, movement and you've been writing a lot about it. Like they, I like the way they are expressing themselves. Is that a a way to put it uh, safely? I think they have handled the I think they've handled the the protests, the Black Lives Matter, and the issues of race, uh, w- you know, brilliantly. Uh, I, they've done some really cool stuff with their uh, PSAs and and their conversations about mm-hmm. it. And and I just think that they're ahead of the curve. You cannot be that uh, ahead of the curve in in things that matter, and then be stupid uh, when it comes to a player that's as valuable to your franchise as anyone you can't be both you're either that's who you are you're going to make good decisions or you don't make good decisions over here and then we're you know we're going to screw the players over here that's not the way uh, to win championships i think that if they sign him it'll it'll pay off for them in the long run let me ask you another question what happened with the the i know you don't cover the mls team but I know they got COVID, the, the Nashville team. What did that do uh, in the community when they basically sent home the Nashville team with the Dallas team from the MLS tournament? What was the reaction locally, and, and how are things in Tennessee and, and Nashville overall uh, in terms of the COVID? 
You know, it was uh, it was it was heartbreaking, Scott. I, I I don't even know if that does it justice, just because this was you know this was their first season in MLS, um, and I was actually there at the at the home opener just as part of our coverage. You know, it was kind of an all hands on deck type situation with with how right. big a moment it was. They played at Nissan Stadium, um, and I I don't remember the the number exactly, but it set a record for uh, fans in attendance for a soccer game in the state of Tennessee. It was it was massive. It was huge. You know, Nissan Stadium was pretty full. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a really big deal. Um, and then, you know, go, you go from that, I, I believe that was uh, late February. And then, um, you know, it, it kind of lost in all of this and all of the COVID uh, pandemic and, and everything going on. You know, we were hit with a tornado uh, right in early March. And that tore right through Nashville, right right before mm-hmm. the pandemic hit. Um, you know, so, so there was a lot going on, a lot of uh, factors that, that sort of have derailed you know, that franchise's momentum. Um, and it, it started at the highest of highs and, and to see where it sort of ended up, you know, uh, a lot of those factors for, for why it's ended up where it is uh, have been outside of their control. It, it's just, it's really, um, you know, for, for the city, for the fans, uh, you know, for casual soccer fans around here, it's, it's really been tough to see, um, you know, just because it, it really did feel like Nashville was ready to rally behind the team and, and they were excited, uh, you know, for the MLS's back tournament, uh, you know, so it was, it was really sort of a, just a punch to the gut. Uh, and as far as, you know, COVID here in Nashville, it, uh, it's, you know, every, every day, uh, is, is the worst day as, as far as, you know, the way we've been trending, uh, it just keeps getting worse. You know, I know in New York, I've got fam, my entire family's back in New York. Right. Uh, I know it's leveled out there here, here. It's, it's only gotten worse. Uh, and it keeps getting worse each day. Uh, you know, so hopefully, hopefully things begin to stabilize a little bit, but, um, you know, it, it hasn't been great. And, and like I said, it's, it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously been a really tumultuous time, uh, everywhere in the world, everywhere in the country, but, you know, right off the heels of, of the tornado that, that, mm. you know, ravaged the city that killed 20 plus people. It's been, uh, you know, just a surreal sort of time here. And, uh, it's really unfortunate that, uh, Nashville SC kind of got caught in the middle of it. Wow, that's terrible. Hey, I didn't know about that. I didn't remember it. If I if I read about the uh, tornado or saw it, uh, it's just it, so much has gone on. It's just escaped me. So uh, yeah. it's horrible to hear about that. Uh, listen, I hope your family's doing okay on Strong Island. Uh, I always want to thank the Predators for uh, my uh, Penguins' fifth Stanley Cup. I just wanted to say that before I let you go tonight. Thank you for that. I love you. Uh, we'll be in touch. Let's hope they get this Henry deal done. Great work by you, per usual, covering the Titans. Uh, have a great summer. I'll catch up with you hopefully when they're playing football. Good to see you, uh, Eric, again. Thanks for coming on the bench. Sounds good, Scott. Thanks so much. Be well. That's my buddy, uh, Eric uh, Bacharach, down at the Tennessee in, in uh, Smashville. I didn't know they had a horrible tornado. Uh, Godspeed, everybody. I hope your family's okay down in uh, Nashville. It's for all on the bench. All right, Verona Bench, uh, DeChambeau, Rory, JT, Justin Thomas, the favorites at uh, allegedly at the Memorial, which I believe starts Thursday in uh, Dublin, Ohio, where they just had a tournament uh, and Marikawa won it. And uh, Tigers won it, uh, that Mirafield, five times. You know, I was looking at him the other day uh, that he's at 82 PGA Tour wins. 
I think he's tied with uh, Sam Snead for most all time, believe it or not. I think uh, Jack won 73, but Jack won 18 majors, so that's all that matters. And uh, Jack's, until Tiger passes him with, you know, four more, right? So he'd have to have 16, 17, 18 to tie him, right? Four to beat him. I have... You know, I certainly hope that that happens. I would love to see that happen. Uh, I have a hard time, actually, and I know it sounds crazy to say this, but I actually have a hard time believing that it will happen, right? Because I think that he can win the Masters, which he's done so many times, right? So it's the other ones that I'm worried about, right? So, I, you know, the other ones, you know, he reminds me of, and I won't deny that the last Masters win was incredible, but it's the other ones like, he reminds me of Phil in the sense of he's getting older and it's harder to, uh, in my view, at, when you get older, when you're like when Jack won it at 46, that was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen, right? But now you got like Phil at 50 still competing, right? And he's in a tournament. But do you remember what we said, Mavi, on the show? He can't put together four great rounds. It's a, you know, two or three rounds are really good. And then one of them isn't. And then he doesn't win. So and then he's going to be in this U.S. Open, allegedly, when they have it. I don't even know when they're doing it anymore. I've lost track. Oh, it's at uh, it's, a, it's a wing foot. Right. So they're going to do it in the fall. Is that is that about right? And then he's going to be able to play in it. But he's finished six times second in the U.S. Open. He's not winning the U.S. Open at 50. It's not happening. But Tiger, uh, at some level, when you get to the, you know, the majors, it's and, you know, it just gets harder and harder as you get older. And he's had all these injuries with his back and all the rest, surgeries, you name it, problems off the course. But he's, you know, still been able to win the Masters, which was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Uh, that What he did at, at Augusta and the throngs of fans chasing him around. It really was like watching, uh, you know, back in the day, Arnie's Army, right? Arnold Palmer, when he won the Masters, they would follow him around the golf course like animals. And they were just, it was, it was awesome, right? But Tiger took it to another level, to a whole nother level, like to a, a unequaled. And the fandom for this guy is spectacular. I think I said today on, on, on Coast to Coast, he's got so many fans, millions of them, you know, I mean, I'd be willing to bet around the world, the number's astronomical. I can't even come up with a number. I mean, how many people do you think Mafia are fans of Tiger Woods around the, around the world? Three, four hundred million people? At least. Right? You, you know have, what you I mean? At least now probably 30 million just in America. I mean, easily, easily, easily in America. There's 350 million people in America to begin with. I think he's got I'd be willing to bet he's got 100 million fans in America, at least. And then the rest of the world, you know, as you go over to other places in around the world, people are like, yeah, whatever. He's cool. We love him. He's great. But we got our own guys we, we root for over here. You know what I mean? So um, it'd be like back in the day, Gary Player, South African, they're rooting for him, right? They're not rooting for Tiger Woods. You know, they root for their favorites from where, the, you know, when, they, when they're from there, you know, whatever. Rory, everybody in Ireland roots for Rory. So 
I, I think it's going to be harder and harder for him to win four more. That's what he needs to pass him. 19, right? That's what the magic number is. But can you even believe that he's got 82 PGA wins? So one more win. One more win. And that might be this week. I mean, he has owned this golf course. He knows this golf course like uh, he knows his body parts. You know what I mean? Like the guy has won five times at Muirfield. So he's won at Augusta multiple times. He's won at Pebble Beach multiple times. Torrey Pines multiple times, right? So uh, you get him on these courses that he plays every year, whatever, and he keeps going back and playing at them, right? Firestone, all these other ones that he's played at. That he's got, He has a chance to win those easily. So I think he will obviously win another golf tournament, and he's going to be the, the greatest golfer that ever lived, Mafia. If he goes to 83 or more, is he the greatest golfer that ever lived? Because Jack Nicholas has said, I've heard it right out of his own mouth, that the guy could give him lessons. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine Jack, the golden bear Nicholas, saying that Tiger Woods could give him lessons? Like, that his game was so much different and bigger, you know, bigger hitter, bigger everything than, than Jack Nicholas, right? Like, so, and then I saw, all of it. I saw Jack Nicholas play and I saw uh, obviously Tiger Woods play both of their, you know, basically their almost their entire career. So, I mean, he was a little before my time, but not really. <laughs> That's how old I am. So I've seen I've seen him golf since I was a little boy. So um, who do you think, Mafia, is is Tiger Woods? Because I've seen them both play my whole life. You haven't. So not, no. do you, but, but do you think that Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer that ever lived? You know, there's going to be obviously the old school people that are going to argue like he has better equipment. That's why things like that. I mean, though, if you're going to go by just, you know, straight wins, obviously the guy was the most dominant golfer probably we've ever seen. I mean, he just ran the PGA tour for how many, for probably the better part of a decade where no one else was winning. You know, they were might win these small tournaments where he decided he wasn't going to show up that week. But the guy was winning week in and week out. You know, majors, he was always the favorite. And it was him and Phil, but Phil was still like, you know, two or three tiers below him. Every now and then he'd get lucky and get a you know, good tournament where he put a couple rounds together where he actually competed or beat him maybe once or twice. But it was all Tiger. It was all Tiger every week. So obviously I didn't live back when Arnold Palmer was, you know, really in his prime. I know the legend of him. I know, you know how amazing he was, but I never watched him play. But, I mean, just off the wins and the dominance, I would have to say, yeah, Tiger. And especially if a guy like Arnold Palmer gives him that kind of respect where he's like, I can learn from this guy because he's even better than I am. When that guy says it, then, you know, you got to listen to it, right? Right. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's funny. Remember today we ran this story about how Mirikawa, whatever his name is, I can't even I can't even remember his name, to be honest with you. <laughs> that the guy played great last week against Justin Thomas. But here's the deal. He's ranked ahead of Tiger Woods in the – uh, world golf rankings and, and i just let everyone know that guy it does not matter what those are as bad as the uh frankly as bad as the power rankings in sports that have become such a weekly obsession with sports fans like the baseball nba nhl football power rankings every every week you know and then college uh, you know polls and ap and coaches polls and basketball and football and just polling and polling and polling polling and politics polling and everything here's the deal the day that that guy is better than Tiger Woods will be never. <laughs> It'll be never. 
Okay, so the, that whole he's ahead of him. I love how that was a story today. It was that's why I ran it on coast to coast. They actually said that this guy was uh, ranked higher in the world than Tiger Woods, and ranked by who? I, well, I don't care who you are. He plays every week. You know, it's but, weighted. So if you're not showing up, if you're showing up once every five to ten tournaments, you're not going to get the same juice as these guys. But obviously, I, he's better. Obviously, 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 that it's based on his playing, but. <laughs> Also, obviously, is that he will play his entire life five times over and still not be as good as Tiger Woods. That guy will golf five lives, like in nine lives. <laughs> he could live five lives and never be better than Tiger Woods, even though he's a great young golfer and he's uh, making a name for himself. I will bet my life that he will never be Tiger Woods. So forget those stupid-ass rankings. Uh, here's the deal. He's showing up in Muirfield, and no one cares about anyone else. Like, he's golfing with Kepka and all these guys, uh, DeChambeau, whoever, right? I forget. Rory. It's Rory. Who's he Who's he golfing with? Rory and uh, who, who did I just say? He's, is he playing with, uh, you know, whatever. He's His threesome is, is gigantic. People only care about him. That's all they care about. It doesn't matter who he plays with. It doesn't matter who he's paired up with or who he's going out with, who's in his group. None of that matters because they're all watching him. Everyone's watching him. That's all they care about. It doesn't matter if it's Justin Thomas, Rory. It doesn't matter if it's DJ. It doesn't matter who it is, Phil. Otherwise, DeChambeau, it doesn't matter because it's all about Tiger. Every time he shows up at a golf course, the entire story and – Everything about it changes. Like, you'll see, I guarantee you what you're going to see at Muirfield this week for certainty is this. Not that you don't know this, but like, you know how the ESPN will send this guy, Collins or whatever his name is, to cover the golf? That guy will literally, like a porn star, he's going to be on his knees for Tiger Woods. He's going to be literally on his knees for Tiger Woods the entire week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All you're going to hear about is Tiger Woods. Even if he's in last place, they're going to talk about him. They, they will talk about him. This guy, when he does his updates from Muirfield, like they'll go to him. Let's go out to Muirfield and talk to this guy, the guy with the beard, you know, the guy with the white beard. Uh, he's really funny, fat guy, and he's always having a good time golfing. He's like Mr. Golf. But all he's going to, he does the same thing every time. Like he's like a, I, I can read him like a cloud in the sky that he's going to, all he ever does is talk about Tiger Woods. I mean, that's his job. What are you going to do this week, Mike? Uh, I'm going to go talk about Tiger Woods. <laughs> that's what he does. He talks about Tiger Woods and, and nothing else. And when he talks about something else, no one listens. No offense to him because all they people care about is Tiger Woods. Even when he's an old man, even when he's an old man. So anyway, Mavi, did you say something to me? I, I'm not even going to play this game anymore where I, I can't hear you. So t tell me what you want to tell me. Roy McIlroy and Brooks Kepka this weekend. At least okay, start. So just here's what I heard in my ear. <laughs> do you remember when you used to do the subway car? <laughs> That's what it sounds like when you talk to me on the show because I'm so old, deaf, and blind like Helen Keller now. So when you guys are even on the TV show, you're like 60. <laughs> Did you get that ear I can't hear a word of it. All I know is I hear him say out and I shut up. That's it. 
So anyway, uh, I wanted to say a couple other things really quickly because uh, Mavi's just telling me I've run out of time again on our Pharrell and Avenge festivities. One minute. <laughs> Is that your boy, the beard, and the Joker have shown up at the bubble tonight. They are finally there. Uh, your boy uh, Harden showed up looking like, I mean, he was incognito. You would have never known it was him when he walked in. He had his beard all like shoved into a mask. Couldn't even see a beard. And uh, he looked like you would have never known it was him. It just looked like some guy going on vacation. And then uh, the Joker has arrived as well. So I think everyone's in the bubble now, except for the people they've thrown out of the bubble. One guy got quarantined. He tried to go get, like, I think Popeye's chicken or something. <laughs> and he got busted out of the bubble, and he has to quarantine now. So uh, that's bad. Uh, my wife's uh, hairdresser told her she can't go into the hair salon now that she's in the state she's in. She's been quarantined. All these rules and such. Hi, right, Fernando Ben. Sports Rage coming up next with my boy Marenzi. Let's bring him in. I look, dude. I thought that basketball game tonight was kick ass. Uh, it it played out the way I thought. I mean, not that I know anything, but I told you they made it. They've gone through the ranks over the years and kept getting better and better and better and better. Lost in the championship last year, made it back this year. I didn't even think this team was as good as last year's team, uh, to be honest with you, but. This team got it done tonight. That game was 70 apiece and then 73-72 sideline uh, in the Elam ending. And then they hit the two threes and the Diener one won it. That was just a sickening basketball game, uh, Marenzi. And I thought the defense was incredible. Yeah, tonight's uh, game was a classic example of it doesn't matter what the name of the jerseys are, what league it is. Um, you know, a great competition is a great competition. And that's what uh, this whole tournament was gut-wrenching loss for sideline cancer to go as far as they did. But you called it, Scotty. Uh, you know, this Golden Eagle team fell short last year to Carmen's crew, the Ohio State uh, crew, and they right. had that experience uh, late. It looked like sideline cancer was going to take it. They had the momentum and a couple of empty possessions late. And then Travis Diener, who barely played, comes in with a monster, a couple of monster passes, just that experience, and then drains that million-dollar three. You know, uh, what was crazy was that inbounds pass, the other one you were talking about with the cutter to the rim, that was great. I yeah, thought that the uh, – I thought I saw that uh, – and at the and at halftime, the other guy bounced it off the guy's ass and scored a bucket, gave sideline the one-point lead at the half. But I thought the um, – the, the, there must have been a 15 or 20 lead changes in the game. It was incredible. And I think it was because they played for a million bucks. Uh, Marenzi's coming up next. Uh, great show. Check out Sports Rage. Uh, and I'll see you tomorrow at, at 4 o'clock on uh, Coast to Coast. Have a great show tonight, uh, Marenzi. I love you. Uh, I'll see you, freaks, tomorrow. Great job, Mafia. Everybody, I'll see you in the chat room, Pharrell Pub, tomorrow as well. Good night.